Adventures of Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And this week we are doing our Christmas TBR pile, what we hope to be read over the Christmas break. I'm already looking at Kate, because <laughs> standard rules have applied. I've picked four, Kate's gone for twice as much already. At least. Yeah? Yeah, sorry. Um, right, Kate. But, you... but this is, like, the, I did this, like, genuinely... This is what I'm going to be reading. We've got over two weeks off, actually. Yeah. So I, I feel like my pile is probably quite realistic. Yeah, fair enough. So okay, well you sorry. start. You start. I'll, <laughs> okay. I've, got, I've got a coffee. I'll sit back and I'll make <laughs> noises so that people think I'm still here. <laughs> you are still here, in body at least. Um, so I have got quite a big Christmas holiday TBR as Rob has just um, implied a TBR by the way if you don't know is your to be read um, which I think basically comes from people having Goodreads accounts and putting things you know and that it's just a quick way like my TBR pile so it's just in case you're not familiar with that terminology um, and it is a combination of um, things which I have self-gifted uh, based on what I've seen other people uh, talking about and recommending it's also things that are actually published by the publishing house that I work for um, but that I, I that are not out yet but also that I haven't got round to reading yet and I want to read before um, they come out so that I can chat about them um, and then also um, various bits and bobs that I've been kindly sent by other publishers um, either because uh, I happen to have a buddy who works there or because I just blatantly said how much I like the look of things on Twitter because um, I'm now shameless about that kind of thing. Um, so my first one, which I've actually already started reading, is a new book by Maggie Stiefater. This and also another one, A Shiver of Snow and Sky by Lisa Ludecker, uh, were very kindly sent to me by Olivia at Scholastic. Um, I just recently read Maggie Stiefater's whole Raven Boys series um, because Scholastic actually sent me the last one in the series. I'd heard loads and loads and loads of people talking about how much they enjoyed it and actually I really enjoyed it as well. And so Olivia said, would I like to try her new one? So this is called All the Crooked Saints. Um, she's kindly sent me a finished copy and it's got this sort of very lovely... Um, turquoise and orange kind of colour scheme so it says um, any visitor to Bicho Raro, Colorado is likely to find a landscape of dark saints forbidden love scientific dreams miracle mad owls estranged affections one or two orphans and a sky full of watchful desert stars at the heart of this place you'll find the Soria family who all have the ability to perform unusual miracles at the heart of this family are three cousins longing to change its future. Beatrice, the girl without feelings who only wants to be free to examine her thoughts. Daniel, the saint of Richard, uh, Raro, who performs miracles for everyone but himself. And Joaquin, who spends his nights running a renegade radio station under the name Diablo Diablo. They are all looking for a miracle, but the miracles of Raro are never quite what you expect. So um, I'm four chapters in. At the moment, it's got this kind of wonderful 
magical realism sort of vibe to it. It's making me think a bit of the kind of atmosphere of an Isabel Allende book or something like that, um, probably because of the setting as well. Um, and I'm just really intrigued to see how it goes on. Mm, um, yeah. And seeing as I've already mentioned it, I'll do uh, the other Scholastic title quickly now. So this is like just the perfect cover for a read at Christmas. So it's a black background, but then lots and lots of silver sparkles and a few red ones mixed in as well. Um, and it literally looks like what the title is, A Shiver of Snow and Sky. It looks absolutely beautiful, actually. Uh, I've not started this one yet, so I can't tell you um, my thoughts on it, but um, I know lots of other people have said it's great. Um, it says, on the frozen island of Skane, the sky speaks. Beautiful lights appear on clear nights and their colours have meaning. Green means all is well and the goddess is happy. Blue means a snowstorm is on the way and then there's red. Red is rare, a warning. 17 years ago, the sky turned red just as Ulsa was born, unleashing a plague that claimed the lives of hundreds of villagers, including her own mother. This time, when the night sky once again bleeds crimson, she must discover how to stop the onslaught before so many lives are lost again. A heart-racing, atmospheric fantasy debut that will chill you to the bone. Mm. So there we are. That sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, Rob, would you like to do one of yours? Yes. So ever since we saw uh, Mad on the Orient Express, I've been after some sort of, you know, a bit like a classic crime. Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of like... I don't know how to describe it, sort of like the old scar old school sort of style, you know, murder investigative sort of, not well, quite. I like, guess one phrase is cosy crime. Cosy crime, yeah. I mean, I'm reluctant to call this one <coughs> crime because I haven't quite read it yet. Sorry. But this is uh, last year's, uh, I've got the hardback, this was The Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz, Seven for a Mystery That Needs to Be Solved. Um, hmm. And I'm quite looking forward to this one. I think I think I got it last Christmas, but uh, it's about books. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, editor Susan Ryland has worked with best-selling crime writer Alan Conway for years. Readers loved his detective Atticus Pund, a celebrated solver of crimes in the sleepy English villages of the 1950s. But Conway's latest tale of murder at Pie Hall is not quite what it seems. Yes, there are dead bodies and a host of intriguing suspects. But hidden in the pages of the manuscript lies another story, a tale written between the very words on the page, telling of real-life jealousy, greed, ruthless, ambitious, ruthless ambition even, and murder. Mm. So yeah, I've got quite interested to uh, sort of the cosy crime genre. I've been investigating some more um, Poirot on the TV, and also I've got some Kindle 99p ones which I'm going to try out, as well as um, maybe an audible credit or two. But yes, I thought this is sort of the perfect... Perfect read for me. Um, it's a nice big chunky hardback, which I always feel is important mm -hmm. uh, at Christmas. So that's um, that's the first on my list. And if you enjoy that, we've got a copy of his newer one. Is it newer? Yes. Newer. Uh, the word is murder. So yes, I've only with Horowitz. I've only ever read Trigger Mortis and his first Sherlock Holmes one, The House of Silk. But as I enjoyed those, fingers crossed for this one. Mm. Do you want to keep going? I will. Okay, so um, the next one on my pile is actually a very slim volume. It's Ms. Ice Cream Sandwich by um, Mieko Kawakami. 
pretty sure I'm glad you said that. that right. Um, and this was very kindly sent to me by Pushkin Press. Um, it's a Japanese novella. Uh, Ms. Ice Cream Sandwich seems to lack social graces, but our young narrator is totally smitten with her. He is in awe of her aloofness, her skill at slipping sandwiches into bags, and most electric of all, her ice blue eyelids. Every day he's drawn to the supermarket just to watch her in action, but life has a way of interfering. There is his mother, forever distracted, who can tell the fortunes of women, his grandmother, silently dying, who listens to his heart, and his classmate, Titty, no stranger to pain, who shames, who shares her private, thrilling world with him. Um, part of the reason that I really love this book is it's got the most amazing jacket covered in these wonderful triangle sandwiches. And I know Pushkin are publishing a whole set of um, Japanese novellas, all with these really brilliant kind of bright graphic cover designs. And I have to say, I'm really coveting them all. So that would be quite a nice present if someone, you know, likes um, fiction in translation or in enjoys short stories. There's this whole really lovely um, set of gorgeous looking um, Japanese novellas from Pushkin that are out now. In fact, Ooh. there we are. So that's the next one. And then I've got the first one of my books published by um, One Bit or Another of Vintage. So um, this is Kirsty Logan's new novel called The Gloaming. So you might know Kirsty for her short stories or you might know her for her novel of a couple of years ago called The Grace Keepers. But she's got a new book coming out in April 2018 called The Gloaming, um, and it's got a very beautiful cover, if I say so myself, with two wonderful uh, mermaids sort of swimming in a circle on, on the front. Um, it's set on an island, and in some ways it's quite realistic, but in some ways it's also quite magical, so it's got that nice sort of um, combination of the two. Uh, Mara's Island is one of stories and magic, but every story ends in the same way. She will finish her days on the cliff, turn to stone, gazing out at the horizon like all the islanders before her. Mara's parents, a boxer and a ballerina, chose this enchanted place as a refuge from the turbulence of their previous lives. They wanted to bring up their children somewhere special and safe. But the island and the sea don't care what people want, and when they claim a prize from her family, Mara's world unravels. It takes the arrival of Pearl, mysterious and irresistible, to light a spark in Mara again, and to allow her to consider a different story for herself. Mm. Mm. so it's kind of yeah a bit fairy tale again a bit kind of magical realist um, and I'm really really looking forward to reading that there we go another one for right. you um, Kate and I saw The Last Jedi yesterday Aww. and we'll we'll keep quiet about our thoughts for that for now as I'm sure many of you might not even have the chance to to watch it yet so I thought um, in honour of Carrie Fisher I would read The Princess Diarist which is her she's calling it a sort of memoir and this is about her time filming the original Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's sort of a, a bit of a heavy heart that you read this. Um, yeah. Kate and I were both, you know, in mourning when she went. Um, but Carrie, you, you can't really argue that Carrie Fisher was certainly a character, and there was that story going around this week about her dog Gary when he went to Aww. see The Last Jedi, his ears pricked up whenever he heard um, Mummy's voice on the screen. Oh. So yes, I'll read, I'm going to read this one and I'll also um, probably read the biography of George Lucas that Headline published uh, last year mm. all about him because I really enjoyed the um, Jim, uh, Jim Carrey, Jim Henson one. It's slightly <laughs> different, but yes. Um, so this, this will be my non-fiction one. Um, people who listen know that I like to sort of 
I have two books on the go, one fiction and one non-fiction. So this will be my non-fiction read for Christmas. Okay, cool. So my next one is another work one. Um, it is the first book that I will have read by this writer, but I know that lots of people are huge fans, and this sounds really interesting and topical. So it is the new book from Sheila Hetty. It's called Motherhood, um, and it's out in May next year. So it's a while to wait to buy a copy, but um, I kind of want to get in there because we've got proofs now. So Motherhood is um, fiction, fictional, um, but also it is very much a uh, sort of meditation on real life motherhood. So it says it treats one of the most consequential decisions of early adulthood, whether or not to have children, with the intelligence, wit and originality that have won Sheila Hetty international acclaim. Having reached an age when most of her peers are asking themselves when they will become mothers, Hetty's narrator considers, with the same urgency, the question of whether she will do so at all. Over the course of several years, under the influence of her partner, her body, her family, mysticism and change, Hetty's narrator struggles to make a wise and meaningful choice. So it's written a bit like a diary, um, sort of in conversation with herself, and that's it seems pretty um, topical. I think there's been a lot of discussion in the last few years about, you know, the, the right of a woman to not have to have children to be considered a real you know there's a lot more kind of open discussion of that now um so I'm really intrigued to read this and I know a couple of my copies of uh, copies a couple of my colleagues have already read these advanced copies that we've got in and have said it's like the best thing that they've read in 2017 so I'm really intrigued to see what I make of it mm. um and uh, another one that I've kindly been sent by um, a different publisher is one that I'm incredibly excited about, actually, um, because I don't know if you will recall, dear listeners, that Rob and I read um, The Song of Achilles um, as a kind of book club read um, quite a while ago now, a few years ago now. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, but we both really, really loved it. And um, next year, Bloomsbury will be publishing Cersei. Um, it says Spring 2018, which is um, the follow-up from Madeline Miller. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, obviously, I don't really know that much about um, exactly what's covered in the book, but I know about Cersei herself. So if you don't know who Cersei is, she is... On Game of Thrones. Yeah, not um, her. No, right. Um, <laughs> so in the Odyssey... So after the fall of Troy, after the bit with the wooden horse with the soldiers inside it and all of that, um, Odysseus and his um, countrymen uh, have to try to get back to Ithaca, back to his wife Penelope. Um, but for various reasons, uh, Odysseus has kind of angered the gods through his sort of tricky ways and um, he ends up going on this incredibly circuitous journey. So they've already been in Troy for 10 years. The siege of Troy is a 10-year-long thing. Um, so n he ends up not being able to go straight home. He goes on this great big long voyage home on with various dangerous stops along the way. And one of the most significant stops that he makes is on Circe's island. And the bit in the Odyssey... Uh, is sort of it's about kind of male greed and not listening to people and the consequences of that and uh, the story is that they find this 
uh, abandoned house and it's full of food and so on and the, the men gorge themselves um Odysseus doesn't because he's suspicious what you know why is there this house full of food um but no one looking after it and Circe appears and in some versions she literally says you eat like pigs so become pigs and all Odysseus's men are transformed into pigs Mm. um there we are literally um but I suspect this will be giving us, in the way that the Song of Achilles did, you know, you might know that one famous bit about Achilles and um, sort of Achilles' heel or whatever, but you probably don't know the rest of his story. And in fact, that was narrated by Patroclus, who is his his closest friend. Um, so I'm hoping for more of the same in Circe. I'd love to know more about this intriguing woman. Mm. Right. Uh, my next one, is it possible to hate read a book? Yes, I think it is, uh, yes. So I've gone for the new Dan Brown, Origin, best-selling author of The Da Vinci Code. Um, and, I mean, he really does sell a lot of books. He does sell a lot, a, lot, a hell of a lot of books. Um, I mean, I've read... I've not read Angels and Demons. Oh, that is quite good fun, actually. I've read The Da Vinci Code. I half-read The Lost Civil before it made me cross. I did read Inferno... Um, we watched the film. And we watched the film where they controversially changed the ending on that one. Oh, right, okay. Um, but I haven't read his previous books before Da Vinci. Uh, the, the sort of tech thrillers. Techie, techie ones, yes. So this one I am i didn't pay for. I got given it, so I can, didn't have to worry about giving any money. Um, and also it's uh, a lot of it is, suspect, is um, set in Barcelona, which is one of my favourite cities. I That's one of the main reasons why I adore Shadow of the Wind mm. so much, but there is no way that I am comparing these two at all uh, <laughs> so I do expect this to infuriate me I kind of expect to learn a few things from it yeah I would say so um, I'm skipping through there doesn't seem to be any of his hideously short chapters that he used to have an awful habit of doing um, oh no, that, no I'll take that back literally that, yeah no that one was page two and, pages a page and a half but anyway it, it, what that means is it's a page turner you feel like you're going through it incredibly quickly it zips along um, as I said it sold incredibly well uh, it's called Origin I know it's something to do with the origin of man and DNA and all sorts of things but yeah following on from what was in Inferno isn't it so yes I fully expect him to be running around um, with a younger lady him just mansplaining probably quite a bit to both her and the reader yeah yes. I mean I read um, I read the Da Vinci Code first because I was basically because I was interested in all the kind of religious hoo-ha that was mm. around it and I was intrigued to see what everyone was so cross about and it's I mean it's not kind of what I would necessarily normally read but I actually quite enjoyed it it was incredibly yeah. quick to read um, I think it is it is a page turner as you say you do feel like you're discovering things even if it's that's the mechanic for that is like literally quick quick let's find another library look here's what's in this book yeah. um but you know it it still intrigued me the ideas behind it and there is some jeopardy there and i mean maybe not for him personally but you know for the people around him um yeah so i think it's quite exciting so i mean i i do you want to read it after me? Is that what you're... Yes! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I haven't already given myself enough to read. Um, so next one on my pile is a book called There, There by a guy called Tommy Orange. So this is his debut novel. 
He uh, was born and raised in Oakland, California. He's an enrolled member of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes of Oklahoma. Um, and he also teaches at the um, MFA program at the Institute of American Indian Arts, which is interesting. Um, so this is what the book is about. Jackie Redfeather and her sister Opal grew up together, relying on each other during their unsettled childhood. As adults, they were driven apart, but Jackie's newly sober and trying to make it back to the family she left behind. That's why she is there. Dean is there because he has been collecting stories to honour his uncle's death. Edwin is looking for his true father. Opal came to watch her boy Orville dance. All of them are connected by bonds they may not yet understand. All of them are there for the celebration that is the big Oakland powwow. But Tony Loneman is also there. And Tony has come to the powwow with darker intentions. Fierce, funny, and groundbreaking, there there is a multi-generational, relentlessly paced story about violence and recovery, hope and loss, identity and power. It is a striking and glorious debut. And it's already had comparisons to people like Colson Whitehead, Marlon James, Juno Diaz, Yagyasi, and Jennifer Egan. So mm. pretty amazing um, comparisons. This is even further in the future, I'm afraid. This is another one that Vintage, well, Harvel Sacra are publishing it. This one actually isn't out till July next year, but I'm really, really keen to sit down and read it properly. I read the submission when this was sent into um, Harvel Sacra and when um, they were trying to find someone who was going to publish it in the UK, and I absolutely loved it. I think the writing style is just electric it's so tight and tense um, and I can't wait to read the whole proper thing so I'm really really excited about that so there we are and obviously I will tell you more about that when I've read it um, and then I've got one that actually just arrived in the post yesterday um, which looks really good and I'm very intrigued by it this is The Overstory by Richard Powers. So he, um, you might remember, wrote Orfeo, which was long listed for the Booker Prize a few years ago. Um, and that was the one about the um, professor who um, teaches music. And it's sort of him and his present life. And then also it looks back into his past life uh, where he was growing up and all the different sort of influences and so on. And I really, really loved it. I really, I don't think you liked it as much as I did. I think you sort of quite liked it. I quite liked it. But yeah, I, th I think of the two of us, you preferred it to, to me. Yeah, yeah I, I super enjoyed it. Um, and then this is his new one, um, which is out in April next year, published by, in the UK, by William Heinemann. Um, says the overstory unfolds in concentric rings of interlocking fable that range from antebellum New York to the late 20th century timber wars of the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Nine strangers, each summoned in different ways by trees, are brought together in a last stand to save the continent's few remaining acres of virgin forest. There's a world alongside ours, vast, slow, interconnected, resourceful, magnificently inventive and almost invisible to us. This is the story of a handful of people who learn how to see that world and who were drawn up into its unfolding catastrophe. So just my another one of my niche interests that obviously Richard <laughs> Powers shares. Um, God loves some trees. Um, and it sounds like it's written in a really inventive way, literally like the rings of trees. Um, and, you know, I loved um, various other books that I've, I'm trying to think. What else have I read that's like that um oh god david what's his name 
Uh, you can nudge me all you not, want. Not, not, the, gonna... not the comedian. Not the comedian. You know, don't... Oh, God. The deal? Williams? Um, no, not the comedian. Never mind. I'll, cu- I'll, I'll think of it. I'll, it'll come back to me. But anyway, I really... No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound of how this is written. I really liked his last one. So hopefully that is going to be really good. It's a nice chunky one, but I read the, the last one quite quickly. So fingers crossed. Over to you. Final one for me is... The Book of Dust, Volume 1, by Philip Pullman. I've just about recovered from reading um, oh, the, yeah. Amber, the Amber Spyglass. So I feel like I can now uh, finally approach this along mm. with everyone else. So um, it's an, I did. I got the Dark Materials, his Dark Materials, years and years ago in that giant, huge collection that was actually so huge it was slightly off-putting as a Christmas read, sort of a Christmas present to myself. Um, And for one reason or another, I read a chapter and then kind of never went back into it. So Christmas feels now the appropriate time for me to be tackling um, volume one of this. You've already read it. I have. So um, hopefully it lives up to the expectations of it all. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So no doubt you'll be watching me and my reaction as I go through it. So um, I don't know much more other than it's set in the time before his Dark Materials. There's a baby Lyra, and that's about it. And that's kind of how I would like to keep it. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, you've heard me talk about it. I've heard um, quite, uh, quite loads of people talk about it. Um, so, fingers crossed for that one. But yeah, I need, I definitely needed a break after the Amber Spyglass. Because I read those all quite quickly. Uh, just a little bit traumatic. Um, <laughs> there we well, go. I'm just so glad that you enjoyed them. Yeah, I think so they're I. really, really wonderful mm. books. I think they're so beautiful. They're not your traditional just sort of straightforward romping adventure no. type thing. They're, they're quite philosophical in places, but I think his writing is so wonderful, it just draws you in. Yep, I, I agree with you there. So I've got high hopes for this one. Cool. All right, what's your next one? Well, I've got two more on my pile, but these are actually something slightly different, and they're also things that you don't read from cover to cover necessarily. I think they're things you kind of dip into. So one of them is actually a cookbook that I have been recommended by loads of people. And I'm really sad because um, this was in a delivery which I ordered. And this was the book on top and there was nothing on top of the book. And I used scissors to cut the tape and I actually made a scratch in the top of the book. So I'm really sad about that. But the inside is still the same. So I guess that's what counts. It's just a shame because it's a lovely cover. Uh, It's The Modern Cook's Year by Anna Jones. Uh, You'll be thrilled to see this is over 250 vibrant vegetable recipes. Brilliant. (laughs) To see you through the seasons. Um, Rob is quite a meat eater. Obviously I am mostly as well, but um, I think for the good of the planet, um, I would like to um, try and eat a few more meals that are uh, vegetable only that's fine it means more meat for me I'll just have to make up for it you'll just, you'll just cook yourself some sausages to go with it or something uh, uh, there is yet, I've yet to find a meal that cannot be improved by chorizo I feel like chorizo is the exception yeah I think we, you know, we can just add a bit of it. anyway but I've been told by numerous people that this is a really great vegetarian cookbook um, I really like the new vegetarian um, as a cookbook but I do feel like some of the recipes in that are quite complicated and have a lot of things in it that you would not necessarily have in your house whereas uh, this seems a lot more approachable it's really beautiful apart from anything else I really like it 
I mean, smoky mushroom and roast kale lasagna, that sounds delicious. It's just sort of flicking through it. There's smoky roast carrot burgers. What? Yeah. Looks, oh, well. It just looks yummy, basically. So I think you're going to have to just accept the oh, fact yeah. that I'll I'm going to be yeah. cooking you some... I mean, it's going to taste good. Yeah. That's that's the oh, main yeah. thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to just properly browsing through that, picking out the things that I want to start with. Um, and then my next thing, because, I, uh, you know, everyone loves a sort of Christmas compendium. There's a lovely Jeanette Winterson one. There's quite a few different of these sort of Christmas compendiums of interesting stories and things. Um, but this one is Nigel Slater's Christmas Chronicles. Um, and I love Nigel Slater's writing... Um, and I really love his sort of simple enthusiasm about ordinary food in like in a very similar way to Nigella Lawson, actually, um, where he's just enthusing about very normal everyday foods. It's, it's very soothing to read for some reason. Um, but this is like various Christmas stories, Christmas recipes, lovely writing. Um, and I'm just going to enjoy um, dipping into it over over the festive season um and also it's just a very beautiful cover which is it's sort of fabric over the hard boards and then lovely copper foil so it's it's a very it would look perfect in any hipstery kitchen basically so that's a kind of a gift recommendation from me um and on that note i also unbeknownst to rob bless him picked out some little books that I have been sent which I think are really sweet and would be really lovely Christmas presents for small people or possibly big people as well depending on what you're thinking of so these are all things that I have been sent by uh, children's publishers and they are the ones that I really wanted to mention in this podcast because I think they would make lovely presents so the first one is called An Illustrated Tour of the Night Sky, What We See in the Stars by Kelsey Oseed. So as you might guess, this is about stargazing, about constellations. Um, and this, I think, is really lovely because uh, when I was little, my dad and I used to look at the stars and he would tell me what the different constellations were. And I really love myths and legends which will come up again and obviously lots of the constellations are based on greek myths and legends so it all kind of brought these things together so this book is published by box tree it's a lovely sort of navy blue hardback with creatures and people and their constellations picked out in silver on the cover and um it's beautifully illustrated as well. It's in a few different sections. First of all, the constellations. Then there's a bit about the Milky Way. Then the moon, the sun, the planets, asteroids and comet, comets, and deep space. So it's a combination of proper scientific things, but also all the stories that go with them. Um, and it's the ideal thing if it's a cold, clear winter's night. If you've looked at the book, then you can go outside as a grown-up or with small people and look up at the sky and find the constellations. And obviously that's particularly easy in the winter when it gets dark early. 
and you get lovely stories about Ursa Major and Minor, all you know, all the kind of main constellations and lots of interesting things about other bits of the solar system. So I would highly recommend that. Um, for um, someone smaller who wants to look at pictures and maybe have a go at reading some of the words, there's a really sweet book called The Turkey That Voted for Christmas by Madeleine Cook and Samara Hardy, which is um, published by uh, Oxford Press Children's Books. Um, I always like the fact that it's got a This Book Belongs To bit in the front. And it's a, it's just a really sweet little story set on a farm, lots of different farm animals, um, and... All of the turkeys obviously vote no for Christmas, apart from one called Timmy, who votes yes. So it's quite a funny little story, um, and it's just really sweetly illustrated. Yeah, I think it's really cute, so I'd recommend that. Um, this is one that I think my mum would probably like, as well as small people. So there's a guy called Tim Hopgood, and he's created a few different um, illustrated books a few different picture books which are essentially illustrating song lyrics so he's done a wonder uh, what a wonderful world walking in a winter wonderland but i was very thrilled to be sent um singing in the rain um, and again this is from oxford university press this is a lovely hardback and most excitingly for me it contains a cd um with the song uh, it's got Singing in the Rain and then also uh, a story with audible page turn signals. So that's great for small people, but also lovely for older people um, who just really love Singing in the Rain. Um, the illustrations are really bright and colourful. Um, singing in the Rain is one of my favourite films and always makes me think of Christmas. So that's a big tip for me. And then my last one... Um, for the again for the myth and legend lover in your life um is kevin crossy holland's norse myths tales from odin thor and loki illustrated by jeffrey allen love and this is from walker studios and obviously lots of young people are really keen on um thor and loki because of the marvel films um which they probably know more than the comics, but this goes into all the incredible stories which inspired those characters. Um, I read, I think it was like a Roger Lancelin Green collection of Norse myths when I was about eight or nine, something like that, and they're the most incredible things. Um, it's great if you want... Um, myths and legends with characters who are not just men and women battling people to save damsels in distress um loki is not only the mysterious uh, mischievous god of trickery he also is actually a mother to some mythical creatures and there's there's lots of interesting strange shenanigans um and this book has got incredible um kind of silhouette type illustrations right the way through it looks wonderful so that is a big big recommendation from me so there we are so four books which are really great christmas presents for the small person in your life well there we go that was quite the uh 
quite the roundup, quite the now large piles of books we've got lying around <laughs> us, but there we go. Uh, do let us know if any of those books have caught your eye. You can send us an email, contactadventurewithwords.com. We're also on Twitter, at Word Adventures. You can follow us on Facebook as well. And if you head over to the website, adventureswords.com, you can also leave us a voicemail and appear on the show as well. Hooray! We'd love to hear from you. We'd really do love it if people would leave us a voicemail and we will pop you on the show. Tell us what your TBRs are. Tell us what your... Um, well, not what you're giving to people because you don't want to give it away. But once you've got it, you can tell us what you've got for Christmas book-wise and what you gave people. Now, I think for next episode-wise, uh, we're off for two weeks with various trips back and forth. So I think Kate and I will be back in the new year with our award show spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do normally do that, so I'm sure we'll do it again this year. Uh, but there might be an episode appearing here or there in between. Who knows? It's all down to the good old logistics. But if you'd like to follow what I'm up to during the week, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, that's it, isn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> at Rob Chilver. And you can follow me at Magic underscore Kitten. And we both have newsletters. If you want to find out what I'm up to and my thoughts on sort of general bookie techish stuff and all sorts of things in between, whether that's new apps or playing around with things like Alexa and things like that, head over to paperypixels.com for a newsletter every Sunday. And um, I am with uh, my friend Chloe helping to run a London-based book club and I've set up a newsletter for that so you can always read along if you can't make it to the meetings or you can sign up and just kind of get the updates on what our next book is and that kind of thing Um, and the book club is called Odds Bookskins um, which is on Twitter and it has a Facebook page and it has this newsletter tinyletter.com forward slash Odds Bookskins So this might be it for 2017 Uh, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a new year from both of us I hope you get lots of books for Christmas yep merry reading bye